0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Blended. I am once again joined by a fresh new panel of inspirational professionals, and today we're talking about microaggressions. It is a term you're sure to have heard. First used around 1970 by Harvard psychiatrist Dr. Chester Pierce, it initially described the regular insults and dismissals he witnessed from non-Black people towards the Black community. But professors and social scientists have gone on to examine the concept more closely and expand our understanding of microaggressions, detailing how they also impact religious groups, gender identities, those who are living with disabilities and the LGBTQIA community. So it's really an, an important part of the conversations we need to have around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Microaggressions are a part of exclusionary practices and behaviors, but they can often fly under the radar, especially in the workplace. So we're diving into all of that today. We're gonna to be talking about what microaggressions actually are, how to identify them, and most importantly, how to tackle them. So welcome to the show, Kathy Claricia. Sharon, David, and Ted, who are going to share their experiences and advice with us today. So I appreciate you all for joining us, and let's get started with some introductions. So tell me who you are, what you do, and how you identify. I'm going to start with you, Sharon.
1: Well, thank you. I'm Sharon Manker. I am the Director of Supplier Diversity for a publicly traded mortgage company. I'm also an author, motivational speaker, and supply chain supplier diversity strategist. Um, I identify as short. now. I identify as, as a wife, a mother. I'm a Black American. I'm from West Philadelphia. Um, and I am happy to be here with you.
0: Amazing. So happy to have you, Sharon. And you were part of our Woman in Supply Chain series for Let's Talk Supply Chain. If and if anybody wants to hear
2: more about you, thanks for being here. Kathy, you're up next. Thank Tell you. us who you are, what you do, and how you identify. Okay. Hello, everyone. And so excited to be here today. So I am the Vice President of Women's Leadership and Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at the American Bankers Association. Um, How I identify, I'm a white woman. I strive to be an intersectional feminist. Um, I don't get it right all the time, but I do try to learn and get better day by day. Um, I'm a wife, a mom, I've got two dogs who love me dearly. And that's just a wonderful part of my life. Everybody ought to have a dog. Um, But that's a little bit about me. And I also, um, my pronouns are she and her.
0: Awesome. Thank you. All the cat lovers out there are like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate you for being here. Ted, you're up next. Tell us who you are, what you do and how you identify.
3: Thank you, Sarah. So uh, Ted Wong here. Um, I am an investor. I work at a private investment firm um, leading the uh, vertical that covers software and technology companies um, of a small and growing size. And specifically, I spend a lot of time looking at businesses within the supply chain and transportation and logistics sector. Um, Pronouns, he uh, he and him, Um, I identify as, you know, Asians, more specifically, you know, of Chinese heritage um I am Canadian and American grew up in Canada then moved to the U.S. and have been here you know for the better part of you know 20 years um husband dad and dad to you know two very adorable cats thank you
0: see dog lovers and cat lovers it's already starting people I can see it all right Ted thank you so much for joining us uh David you're up next tell us who you are what you do how you identify
4: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm David Garofalo, and I am the assistant vice president for membership and marketing at the Intermodal Association of North America. Uh, I've been there for about the past six years. Uh, I reside in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. Uh, I uh, identify as a very, very boring gay white male, Uh, and I am married to my husband, Kelly. And I have one ginormous uh, old English sheepdog for a baby uh, who uh, is fourteen, and uh, and keeps me on my toes. Um, so uh, other than that, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks, Sarah.
0: Yeah, super excited to have you here as well. I don't know about you, mine is eleven, and she had me up at like four thirty in the morning last. Yep, that is the magic morning. time, four thirty. I tell you, and then every half an hour after that, I was like, really. Is this what we're doing? Oh
4: wow! Now? No, I don't okay. have that. Just just four,
0: <laughs> four thirty. All right. Last but not least, Claricia, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us who you
5: are and what you do, and how you identify. It's a pleasure to be here um, on this important topic. My name is Claricia Christie. I identify as a Jamaican Canadian. I uh, he she her <laughs> or her she. Um, I. My role is um, in empowering the next generation of international business managers as a professor at Algonquin College. And I also help women um, navigate the exporting world as a chief consultant of a small firm, Global Compass. And that's my jam. And with regards to the dogs and the cats, I have plans, but I have to tell you, I grew up with dogs. I love dogs. Recently, I was really (laughs) ill. And I was staying. I had to recover at a friend's house because I couldn't come back home by myself. And I fell in love with cats. They are so—they're just as emotional as dogs. Oh my goodness! And they wouldn't leave me alone. So it's—it's it's, it's so interesting that I moved from a dog. I'm still a dog person, but no, I'm—I'm I'm considering having a fur baby in the form of a cat. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't believe we started off
0: this, this conversation between dogs and cat lovers and all <laughs> sorts of stuff. Well, my name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, founder and host of Let's Talk Supply Chain, obviously the Blended Podcast, founder of the Blended Pledge. I am a Caucasian female, she, her. I am wife. I'm bonus mom with some bonus children. I've got some fur babies, so I am a dog person, although I started off with a cat. So let's just get that out there. And let's get this conversation started. Let's start with some context for the discussion. What does microaggression mean and what does it mean to you? Um, David, I'm going to put you on the spot and start with you, and then we will go around the table.
4: Wow. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Um, I think my, you know microaggression, I think, is one of those... Um, it's a, It's almost a societal, I, in my opinion. I think it's a, a societal kind of. It's. It's everyone assuming the norm. I think it's. It's everyone looks at somebody and makes an immediate assumption. Oh, you know, I'm a. I'm a white male, so therefore I must be straight. I must be married. I must have children. Uh, I wear a wedding band, so I must be married to a woman. Um, and the you know the assumptions are just you know before I even get a word out. Um, you know, say anything. I think the, you know. I think it's in general we all do this, but it's kind of like you know everyone makes the they make the assumption, then they say it, which is the which is the part that they that we just start. So it's like a default. Uh, you just launch into a conversation based on what you've already put in your head. When in actuality, you know, everyone has to step back and say, you know, let the person introduce themselves um, and not assume and and kind of overstep your boundaries. And then have that foot in the mouth moment where you go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you're not straight. You're not, you know, you're married to a man and, you know, and this is this is who you are. Um, So I think it's, you know, kind of that microaggression is kind of just overstepping kind of that personal boundary where you go, you make the assumption in your head and then you just feel that you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's actually a little more than micro. It's I would say it's a little more it's a little more kind of societal macro uh, aggression because we all come with our own set of uh, of internal dialog and monologues that we're we're kind of projecting out into other people.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you, Claricia. Uh, yeah, Claricia, you're up next. What do you think about microaggressions? What do they mean to you? I think
5: um, I'll riff off David because it's I find it's a societal norm here in Canada. I experienced it here for the first time, or maybe I didn't notice it back home in the Caribbean. Uh, but for me, it seems like a subtle attack on a person, um, who they are, what they bring to a table. And um, to me, it seems like, this is my take on it, that some, the person who's doing this is someone that may be insecure in their own self and maybe projecting on someone, right? So I, I sometimes I, <laughs> I call it front stabbing instead of back stabbing, mm. but a subtle front stabbing, right? And, you know, when it comes from someone in power like for example a supervisor or a vice president or even um, the president of a company i to me it reflects um, poor leadership and for me from that perspective i think that you know insecure people make these types of um subtle attacks microaggression and it can be for based on your, your work based on you as a human being, based on your race, right? Mm And based on what you bring to the table that someone else may not have.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that.
5: I remember being at a party.
0: um, I can't remember. I think it was like six or seven years ago. So my husband is of Trinidadian background. And we were at this party and Johnny Cash came on. And he was singing Johnny Cash or like just dancing to Johnny Cash. And this this Caucasian woman turned to him and said, why are you dancing to this? How do you even know this song? I lost my mind. Like absolutely lost my mind. I was like, how ignorant are you in this particular moment To make a complete assumption about somebody that you have not spent any time talking to you to, right? And that was, that was one of the first moments that I had experienced on my husband's behalf. And to this day, even talking about it, like I just shake because it, just bothered me so much. So that's just an example of something that came to mind when you were talking about yours. And I appreciate you for sharing that. Ted, what do microaggressions mean to you?
3: Um, it's interesting. Um, I I view it as a subtle and sometimes almost subconscious, what I'll call um, reaction or kind of like a fleeting, almost sometimes kind of like a remark, Or knee-jerk reaction that just comes up oftentimes in professional and um, what I'll call just private settings where they make, where the person, I think, who is uh, responsible for the microaggression makes an assumption or a presumption that is really, I think, um, that is just really kind of out of place, uncalled for, unwarranted. And, um, and I find that it, and I, and what's interesting is I have tried to confront them, you know, in, in many situations. And I think they ha- seem to arise the most in situations where there are what I'll call, um, there's diversity or differences amongst the people involved. It's, you know, supervisor and someone who is, you know, that they're supervising, mm-hmm. you know, different genders, different, what I'll call ethnicity at different identifying groups. And I think that's where they tend to happen because I think someone is just, again, I would know that I've found in certain cases, it's almost not malicious or truly intentional in terms of a true insult, but I think they are just glossing over a lot of really important, what I'll call aspects, you know, of the room, like read the room, right? Understand who you're dealing with and understand all the different parties involved rather than just, you know, like speaking before thinking. (laughs) I think that's kind of how I think about it and describe and identify it.
0: I appreciate that. And I think there's different levels. I think we're going to talk about this um, in the discussion moving forward. I think there's different levels because I'll tell you, there are some microaggressions where people are doing it on purpose to other people. And then I think that there's occasions where people are doing it without realizing it. That can be corrected potentially, right? But we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I want to hear from Sharon next. What do you think about microaggressions? What do they mean to you?
1: being a, a black woman in corporate America, I've experienced it um, multiple times. So many examples I could give, but for me, this is not the Webster's des- des- definition. So here, here's Sharon's definition. There's some subtle or unintentional, sometimes intentional actions or behaviors that can make um, me as a woman of color feel smaller than I am. Mm. And so then those actions, whether in, intentional or non, um if they're blocking me from doing something or moving forward on something or making uh, comments as, as if I don't know a certain aspect because why would you know that? Or, mm. or something, any like little slight, um, those type of micro... Aggressions, you know, especially in, in previous work environments where, um, they, they were so bad that it attacks you not only personally, but also professionally. And it also creates like an imposter syndrome mm. that you then have to start to rebuilding yourself up. Um, mm-hmm. and so that has been, like I said, a journey of discovery for me, <laughs> um, for years because I couldn't speak up or I thought I couldn't. Right. Right. I I thought I couldn't speak up for myself. Um, I just had to take it. Mm -hmm. And whether I liked it or not, I had to endure and figure out how to uh, work harder at making sure they couldn't say those things, even though what they did or said, was really impacting me or hurtful mm-hmm. and it has taken years to get to the point where I can go yeah I'll call it out just like Tess says you want to call I call it out as it is in the moment no mm-hmm. that was wrong you shouldn't have said that that was inappropriate this is how it made me feel um when as in my younger self as a beginning uh in my career I was I was just like oh okay right I just go sulk or or in my car or something, and I'm like, go take a breath. And but but now I'm at the point where, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. I'm protecting my my space. I'm protecting my my mental health, and I'm protecting us to build a relationship for the future by having this conversation now. Yes, everybody looks at it so negatively,
0: but really, these conversations are building up that relationship so that you can have a two-sided relationship moving forward, right? And I think the other part of what you just said too, like nobody tells you how to navigate any of this. And so, you know, it takes some people years to figure it out. It takes some people even longer than that, maybe shorter. And everybody is in different um, parts of that journey when possibly that microaggression has come out. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the reaction could be that they've had
1: microaggressions every day for the last two weeks and they're done. Yeah. And you don't know what they're dealing with, too. Right. Like, you got to be mindful. That's that empathy aspect of I don't know what they're dealing with inside these walls or outside these walls. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to be mindful, but they don't know what I'm dealing with either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and so we both have to show each other a little monochrome of respect um, so that we can move forward Let's agree to disagree but a cohesive team whether we're in the same department or in different departments is only going to work out if we allow each other to get it out have that conversation and we can move on together
0: yeah thank you for sharing that i think that's great now kathy last but not least microaggressions for you what do you
2: what do you see what do you hear you know what what do they mean to you Well, everybody gave such awesome um, examples, so I'm probably repeating some, but I really think that these are slights, they're slurs, they're insults, and I think they're meant to put us in our place and to keep us small, whether that's intentional or unintentional. I think somebody mentioned some of this is just sort of baked into our language, baked into our culture, and I think it takes really intentionality to think about the words that we're choosing and why we're choosing those. Um, one example that I'll give is, uh, I hear a lot of people, women included, saying women are more emotional than men. Women are overly emotional. I hear that a lot. Especially and, at a certain time of the month. Just yeah, so exactly. And people believe that because we've heard it from early ages. Mm. And so when we repeat these things, then it just sort of perpetuates to the next generation and the next generation. And so it's really challenging, I think, to get these concepts out of the culture, out of the language. And it takes conversations like this, and it's, I tell you, I think it's slow process, you know, trying to change hearts and minds of one person at a time. So Mm -hmm. that's my thought.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Now let's talk about what micro, what the difference is. Cause I think we hear like there's harassment, there's bullying, there's microaggressions, and I think they get intertwined a little bit too much. There's also discrimination, the words discrimination. So how do they differ? How do those differ from microaggressions? Who wants to take that one? Ted, I saw you nodding your head i i told you well i don't know
3: if i'm very good at giving precise definitions for each of them but no I no, no definitely, not definitely but in my mind i i definitely think they're very different mm-hmm. and i think they're, they're actually pretty bright lines in terms of how they are different at least based on my own experiences you know yep. with them mm-hmm. so i think for example let's use one which in my opinion you know and maybe because i have a legal background I think discrimination is much clearer in the sense that, hey, you're treating one some you're treating someone differently because of a you know a very clear, what I'll call characteristic trait, you know, whether it's skin color, sexual orientation, gender, background, whatever it is, and you're explicitly treating them different, you know, versus somebody else. Even the the two people, the two people in question are, you know, should be treated equally. I think it's pretty what I'll call um, straightforward and my mind. Like, for example, if in my workplace, we treated, you know, all of the um, female, you know, professionals, you know, of a certain what I'll call seniority and paid them um, X, but the men were paid to 2X, I think that you can make a pretty what I'll call linear argument as it relates to whether there's discrimination. So I think that's pretty clear in my head. In terms of, I think, harassment, I think that's, I think that there is a level of intentionality and really looking to, I think, um, inflict and create a certain, I think, feeling and environment on the person who's on the receiving end of it. Mm. I think where microaggression is a bit different is that as I think many on this in this group have noted, sometimes it's really subtle and sometimes it's subconscious. And if you were to, let's say, I think report it, you know, to like an HR officer, you know, if I think you'd be in that gray area where it's really hard to say, oh, that person's harassing you. And it's could be something that they and something that, you know, someone's saying that you know depending on whether in some cases you know you're thin skinned or not i think someone could just say oh you know that wasn't said with any level of malice or with any level of you know doing intentional harm and i think it would never it would not rise to something like what you would call harassment where you know then action would have to be taken you know especially mm-hmm. in a professional context yeah. so that's kind of i think where um I think kind of in terms of just thinking about the different levels, you know, in which some of these, you know, actions and behaviors might fall. I think microaggressions really is kind of in its own level or layer, if that makes sense, where yeah. it really doesn't extend quite into the, those other things, which I think everyone can regardless of your background, you know, and how you identify, can clearly say, oh, yeah, I know what that is. But I think microaggressions are just a bit subtler than that.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate that because I think at the end of the day, it's also all about the words that we use and how we use them and what they mean to each other, too. Right. David, did you want to jump in here?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, what Ted said is absolutely correct. And I, and I appreciate those definitions, those those kind of those those um the, the way he explained it and i i also think that it's it's it, it's those occasions as well when it's it's not so much when it's directed to maybe an, into to you but it's said in the context of a meeting where a comment is made mm. that somebody says you know i'm i'm just going to throw this out and somebody says you know oh that's you know that's okay and somebody like and someone just says it and it's like i know it wasn't directed to me but you should know a little better. You should be a little more aware again, read the room. Um, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, and again, that's, that could be as, that could be as easy as, you know, that's, that that could be a very unintentional slip. Um, but it's like, you know, even at that unintentional slip, you kind of have to correct it. Um, and you kind of have to say, you know, that's, that's just not appropriate. That's just not the right language you should be using. And it's just, you know, and that's, yeah, and I agree that it is, you know, I, I have to admit, I am, you know, I am not the the best person in doing it in the moment. Um, I can think I'm just sitting here and I was listening to the conversation and I thought of five or six occasions uh, in the last month where something has been said either to me or while I've been in a meeting, but it's been kind of like, hmm, that was an interesting choice of words. Um, uh, and you just kind of go you, and you kind of, you know, you kind of let it roll off. It's like water off a duck's back. You kind of let it go. But it's like and then you realize it and you're like, oh, you know what, that really was an opportunity for me to have said something to not only for me, but to help the person, as you were saying earlier, is, is to help build that that uh, that relationship and make them make people understand that it is words and words. you know. And I think that's in, I'm, I'm in communications. I'm in marketing words. I'm very cognizant of what words I use.
5: Mm-hmm. and
4: what i mean when i say them. and so it's like everyone needs to be more conscious of the words they use because i just think that one of the great you know language is a really powerful thing and mm-hmm. um we have to just be very thoughtful uh, about you know how we use it. so
0: well especially thank you for that especially as people express themselves and find themselves i feel exactly. like prior to this you know we really weren't given that opportunity to really do that
4: and and it's and it's also it's and it's an evolution i mean we're not you know this is this is how i identify today but next year or next month i might identify completely differently mm-hmm. I, I, you know that that's my choice and and that is for for me to decide and and I, it's and it's for everyone else to kind of say oh okay he's standing in his in himself and that's who he is today um, and we kind of have to get used to that idea of kind of an evolving we're evolving people. We're not the same as we were yesterday. And we're not we don't know what we're going to be tomorrow. And we kind of yeah. have to, again, going back to that empathy, going back to that, I don't know what somebody's going through, and i I want to just be that supportive person. um, you know, because that's that's what we should be doing. that's that's just mm-hmm. what we need to do. We don't need to we don't need to worry about the specifics. People just have to know that we're there to be supportive versus tearing them down.
0: Yeah. And I have a question for you about that, but I'm going to ask you a little bit later because I want to stay on the track of the All difference right. and how we identify with with those words and what they actually mean. Sharon, you were nodding your head a little bit. Do you want to jump in here?
1: Too much to just agree to, right? I've had those instances like where, where David said where I was in the room and I was like, I got to choose when to say something because you got to read the room right mm-hmm. you you can't sometimes you can't just call somebody out for what they say is what they say you you have to take that step back and know when to approach them about it right because you don't want to put them on the spot in front of certain leaders or in certain situations so but you got to take a mental note to go back to it because it, it will happen again mm-hmm. um also the fact that you know i've I've been in um, some instances where, okay, is this a microaggression or is this, this right. is just straight? This person is just straight being jerky. Like, I and and I've been, you know, and, and I was like, I'm, I'm talking over with some people. And they're like, well, it could be their personality. No, no. And you gotta also realize sometimes people try to also downplay other people's stuff, right? And so, how do you handle that too? Because this is an attack on my. My, my, mental health or, or my, you know, thank God, not physical health, but it, it's, it's daunting. It's a daunting task to always have to try to decipher people's intention mm-hmm. on whether they're intentionally blocking me from, um, from speaking or they're, they're trying to cause me some stress or anxiety because, I don't know why, um, or they're looking at me and was like, "Oh, well, she won't be good for this because, well, she she's a black woman; she's not going to understand this." I understand this. Mm. I can, and also move to that, um, and it it's um, a lot of these things that we have to do as as like I, I speak for as a woman of color to build resilience. Um, is our, our coping mechanisms that we've had to do for years. Mm-hmm. Because I have to be so mindful. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to block my own success. Well, and part
0: of what I think you also mentioned is bias. That's not something that was part of those options there. Yeah. But one of those, one of the examples that you gave is, is around bias which is also mm-hmm. part of it but what you also talked about was how do we figure out ourselves which category does it fall into to decide what action to take so when there is a microaggression that has been said you know done however you want to mm-hmm. however you want to call it when somebody approaches you to talk to you about that and tell you how it it felt to them I think the other part of this is understanding what that person went through to even take those steps to Mm -hmm. come and talk to you about it. Because in your mind, you're like, is this a microaggression? Is this um, discrimination? Is it harassment? Because it's happened four times, but I haven't talked to them about it. So how do they know? Right. And so I think part of it, too, is really understanding when that person comes to you to talk about it, what they've been through in their mind. get them to that point and have some grace and empathy for the process that they
1: went through. I I wish more leaders um, felt the way you did because I I can recall an example from years ago where I had experienced something that I felt was a series of microaggressions, Mm -hmm. but I said nothing and I let it go on for almost a decade. Um, Mm -hmm. And when i got to the point where i could i had built up my resilience to speak Mm -hmm. up i felt like i needed to have all that backup of clarification that these things are actually microaggressions i had to have like yes how how do you know you know when i when i went to say something to my then superior well, are you sure that this is why I'm sure I'm sure because I actually hired a therapist so that I could ask them about every wow. time this person said this to me, whether I was interpreted it a different way or because I had been told in the past that, well, maybe it's because you're, you're a mom, you're taking a different approach or because you're a woman that you're you're handling it differently. So I took a clearly kind of educational approach to it. I want to know. So I made sure I had this personal retainer so I can call.
0: But also think um, so I could the, find
1: out. Think of, sorry, think about the work you
0: put in. Right? You put in the work a lot to make sure <laughs> that you were understanding of not only yourself and how you were you were interpreting it or what it could mean, et cetera, et cetera. The person mm-hmm. that has done the microaggression. If you are actually going to them and saying, hey, this didn't make me feel good, blah, blah, blah. They haven't done any of the work. And mm-hmm. so there's really no reason for them to be upset about it. Yeah.
1: And I like, took classes on there. empathy to make sure that I was looking at it in a different perspective. Yeah. I took I, I took all those uh, professional development classes again to yeah. make sure that maybe I am interpreting it wrong. Because like right. I said, you Turn into the imposter syndrome, like I don't know what I know. I know that exactly what it was happening, right. but when it happened to another woman who was not a woman of color, then it got noticed. Then what I had been saying for years and years, they were like, hmm, "Well, are you? Why didn't you say anything sooner?" I did. Right. No, nobody <laughs> <Why> did. You- <laughs> I just, I'm not. I didn't yell about it. I didn't right. scream about it. I said I didn't raise my my voice to the point of I'm stomping my feet because I didn't want to be seen as the angry black woman. Right. And because I didn't um I kept it all even cue. I, I, I noted, you know, I, I talked to them but or I reported it, but I wasn't going to cause a big stink because once again we're also a team and I don't want to be seen as a non-team player. Right. 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 Um, so it's a lot of work that goes into that background to yeah. you know build that resilience and to identify each of those things.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that example. I think that's a really, really important example. There's a few things that are happening within that example, microaggressions Mm -hmm. being one of them. Um, And I I think that's an important one. Um, Clarissa, you have had your hand up for a little
5: bit. Why don't you jump in on the convo? I I really wanted, I think you touched on what I wanted to say, Sarah. Mm -hmm. And um, that is, you know, microaggressions for, for example, for myself, what I thought was a microaggression, after a while, I picked it up as harassment or discrimination. Mm. For example, my hair. I wore my hair in Afro, and it was an affront to my boss. To the mm. point I was like, what's that? What's happening? And I was like, my hair. I made it pass, no problem. Another time I went to the Afro again, it was the same thing. Then another time I went to the Afro, and then one of my colleagues had to say to him, that is her hair and it is actually part of her personality. She looks good in it. And at the time I did not pick up that it was even a form of discrimination or harassment, but I just thought it was microaggression. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so hard, it's not hard, but there's a thin line in some instances. And when you're not used to something also, It takes a little while to pick up on what is a microaggression, what is harassment, what is discrimination, what is bullying. Mm -hmm. And some of us, because it's not what we grew up with, it takes us aback. And then after a while, when it becomes so constant, then you recognize, listen, you're in trouble. There's something happening here. How do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, as you said, this is my hairstyle and just kept, keep walking. And another time, another a colleague who's Black, an African woman, had her hair in braids. And he's like, see, look at this. Look at this. And I was like, enough. Right. I don't appreciate it.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I just said that all because I think at the time I just had enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can I Can
0: I ask you a question? Because you said that somebody spoke up on your behalf to yeah. that person. How did you feel about that? Like, should somebody, like,
5: if if we're, sorry? That's when it clicked, that there are others observing and recognize what it is. Because I think it's a good question for all of us, right?
0: Because we're all in different scenarios, group scenarios, and the microaggression may not be directed specifically at us or, you know, what we represent. Um, But if we're hearing it and it affects somebody else within the room that we do know, Do we speak up as an outside person? Do we go up to them afterwards and tell them that they have our support? Like, what is the right thing to do in that particular scenario? I know for Clarissa, obviously for you, it was very helpful in the fact that they spoke up and um, it helped you actually realize what was happening, which I think is great. Um, but that might not be the right thing to do in every scenario. So let's talk about that because this can be a bit of a gray area for a lot of people, especially a lot of Caucasian people sometimes, right? Um, Kathy, let's start with you. I know you didn't get a part of the last discussion. So if you have some stuff to throw in, go ahead. And then let's talk about whether somebody else should speak up on your behalf.
2: So, yeah. Um... I wanted to make one comment on the last discussion, and it was to pick up on uh, something David said about um, that's so gay, that comment. And it reminded me when I was raising my kids, there were so many kids who would say that they didn't know what they were saying. Right. I mean, these were six, seven, eight, nine year old kids and they were saying it and Kids coming to my house knew that was akin to a cuss word. <laughs> you could not say that in my house, but I I felt like I was constantly policing that phrase. Um, and, and that just kind of goes back into the some of this is just so baked in our society. And it really takes speaking up, which is which is your question. I think speaking up is is imperative, Sarah. For me, it's harder for me to speak up on my own behalf. I'm I am um, in awe of you, Sharon, in your examples of saying, hey, pushing back for yourself. I think that's important. And I love that you did that. I find that harder to do. I'm much more likely to speak up on behalf of somebody else. Mm. I feel empowered more so to do that because, as you mentioned, Sharon, or or maybe it was somebody else, when you speak up on your own behalf, then you have to worry about, um, if you're a black woman, am I, am I sounding like the, the angry black woman stereotype, or am I being perceived as too emotional or whatever, right? It's, it's a tough dance, um, it's tough tightrope, but I think when we're speaking up on behalf of somebody else, there's more freedom, um, to, to do that. At least that's how I personally feel about it. So those are my thoughts. I think that we need to be speaking up more. Okay, Ted, what do you think? Would you rather speak up on
0: yourself, or have somebody else speak up for you, or does it depend on the scenario?
3: I think it depends on the scenario. I think um, I have, you know, in number of workplaces had to be on the receiving end of you know a fair share of you know microaggressions and they're not they weren't necessarily directed I think to me because I'm Asian or because of my role but you know I think it was just a typical what I'll call you know professional um, microaggression where I think it was you know someone just felt like you know handing out a slight it was you know perhaps you know subconscious but the person receiving it me didn't feel any better you know you know uh, about it and I think in a lot of situations um and as I've gotten older and more experienced I've just learned I think to just speak up you know for myself just because um at least for me in terms of how I you know cope with these things having enough occasions after the fact where I felt really Crappy afterwards, where I'm like, man, you know, like that didn't sit well with me. I really wish I had responded, you know, in the, in the moment. I, that's very empowering. You know what I'm saying that makes me mm-hmm. feel like I am not, you know, just letting people kind of encroach into my space and not, you know, letting someone really set the tone or the tenor of a conversation. And it happened even recently when someone, someone just, you know, so I've been, you know, doing what I've been doing, you know, for, you know, 10, almost 15 years now. So I'm not, you know, new to my line of work. Someone said, you know, something, it was just, you know, even, I think, I forgot it was over email or just know in a meeting conversation. Someone said just offhandedly, well, you should just do your job. And I'm like, I was, and I literally had to say, what do you mean by that? I am doing my job, right? Like, it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? it's yeah. not something that like, I'm just gonna let it go, right? I know that it wasn't intended like as an insult. But think about the person who's, you know, on the receiving end of that, right? It's like, no, no, no. Like let's be clear about, you know, you may not, you may have a criticism about what I'm doing or how I'm doing it, but let's be clear, it was not because I wasn't doing my job. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like so, it's like those little things where it's important, I think, in certain situations, at least for your own well-being, sometimes, you know, to speak up. And yes, I think in many cases it might. You in a, you know, especially if other, you know, people in the organization are in earshot of it, you might get the reputation for being the person who is a little more confrontational or whatever it is. But I think for me, I'm happy to live with that because I think that's what I need to do, you know, to, you know, feel good, you know, and to feel like, you know, I, you know, did what was right, you know, for me, you know, in the moment and feel, you know, empowered after the fact.
0: I appreciate you sharing that example. And, you know, I'm glad that you use the word empower, right? Because I think, you know, depending on the person, you know, some people are comfortable doing it themselves. Some people are comfortable being an ally or, or potentially talking uh, for somebody else. I remember an example. So I worked for my dad's company and we would have operations meetings and the VP when I came into the room, would be like, oh, everybody needs to stop talking because anything that you say right now, Sarah's going to go back to her dad. And I was like, (laughs) I never said anything at the time and nobody spoke up for me. But I can tell you, like, that kind of stuff sticks with you if you don't do something about it. You know, the other part of it, I I used to go to raves and he would tell everybody in the operations meeting that I had ecstasy in my desk. Because that's what ravers do. And I was like, God, like, do you want to go and check my desk? Like, that's not anything that I do. So I just like to dance. <laughs> um, but it's different things like this that even, you know, I think that was like 10 or 15 years ago, that still stick with you. And you're like, why do people do this? Like, what is the point? And then at some point, Sharon, I was like, Is this harassment? Because he keeps doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it,
1: it. I had a similar so a similar example. This one um, guy, you know, and I work nationally. So I'm always working with people and teams and all over the place. So he said, I don't think she's working um, enough. At the time, I was handling a ter- territory of 10 states. I'm working in on four time zones. I, I have a system down fact And if you know me, I am the queen of checklists and schedules. I will schedule everything out down to the hill right <laughs> even eat and sleep like that is that's me it drives my husband crazy and i remember when they said that to me i was like okay all right he's like we're gonna do an audit of your computer so then they did an audit they of all audit of your computer oh, oh absolutely i was the only woman of color on this team um, Oh, it, it was it was crazy and um so they did this audit of the the information they saw and they ran the report turns out not only was I doing more than 40 hours per week I was averaging from 60 um <laughs> from 50 to 60 and um they also said that I was so it was too, too many hours I was working all the time. I was like trying to meet our business demand we work in four-time zones I made sure that I was available for all of our our business um relationships in all time zones. And so, and then they were like, and you never take any days off. And so they were like, well, you know, with that, that's done. We, we figured out that person actually was working, was not on the system or in any of our systems um, for a total of 40 hours per week, or, and then and the other, and, and they apologized to me and this and any other, and they were like, you know, make sure you take time with your family. I said I schedule time with my family. I'm just trying to meet your 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 demand mm-hmm. and need and your subtle things that you guys say. Um, I say guys because I worked with a whole bunch of guys, the subtle things that you guys say that are about, you know, I, I want to make sure that you can get your work done because you know you're running with the kids or this any other yeah, they're yeah, making yeah. assumptions they're making you know biases whether conscious or unconscious mm-hmm. um I don't watch sports I know that makes me weird but they this all do and weird <laughs> well it made me weird in that group because oh okay all I they did you. was talk about it and i will be sitting there like <laughs> Um, I know the new <laughs> Star Trek Discovery. Have you seen that episode? Like, that's me. <laughs> and um, so they were, you know, but, you know, they, even though they apologized, that still stuck with me. Yes, like, it does. I know that I was working was hard. I knew the, what I was doing. Like, why are you trying to make me feel smaller? I'm already yeah. five foot. I can't go no further. <laughs> so, I can't do it anymore. And I was just over it. But that's, those are the things that you have to to deal with, and to pick yeah. up on what Kathy said. You know, I had wrote in the the chat about you know we need allies in our corner. Luckily, because uh, when they do like some investigation like that, luckily you gotta have people that will stick up for you. Yeah, you do. That'll say I know that she does this. She answers this. She's timely and she takes her time with us as any other. But it only takes one person who has someone else who, you know, that'll speak up for them to just make a difference.
2: Yeah. I also think we need more education with our managers and with our HR teams so that they recognize when somebody says Sharon Mankers isn't working hard enough, that they're like, wait a second, is there, is there something going on here? You know, she's the only black woman on the team. Is there a stereotype at play? Is there a microaggression at play? And I don't think enough people are attuned to that. And we need mm-hmm. HR to help us monitor this stuff. in mm-hmm. our management.
1: so agree. Yeah. We have more of that now, but this is, like I said, decades ago, decades yeah. ago, it, it wasn't then, but, That's what made me start golfing, right? Because I wanted to be a part of the club. I don't know anything else about any other sport, but I can go golf. I may suck at it, but I will go with you.
0: I said no to golf. (laughs) I said no to golf. I will not do (laughs) golfing. Give me a baseball field any day. But (laughs) then I I swing the club like a baseball. It just does not work. I do. I do the same thing.
4: that's That's a really interesting point because I had a really hard time. My organization does a golf tournament. Um, in association, it just holds it in in conjunction with a meeting we have, and I was like, you know, to me, I'm like, why? I, I'm like, that is such a like. I, I I play golf. I like golf. I think it's a great. I a. It's a. I always have fun. Um, but it's like, does it have a place anymore? Because it, it almost seems, you know, it's as crazy. I look at it, it's 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 discriminatory. I mean, right. it's it's like you're you're kind of rewarding people for doing something in their spare time and now you're bringing it into a professional realm Mm
0: -hmm. and
4: there are things happening on a golf course and we all know that business takes place on a golf course and relationships are built on a golf course but it's like that's not a level playing field because not everyone plays golf Mm -hmm. not everyone wants to play golf nor should everyone have to play golf and I was like I just have a really hard time with that and it Mm -hmm. was like and I and I love golf you know if, if if I could play in a golf tournament I would yeah. Um, but it was just like this, I'm like, that juxtaposition between kind of this, like, and, and I'm a white, I'm a white male, I am like the privileged of the privileged through accident of birth. And it just, it, it amazes me just the blind spots, intentional mm-hmm. or in or unintentional that as a, a white male that what we have to the rest of the world around us. Um, and mm-hmm. it just, it floors me that we just go through life and and don't think. Um, and just speak and 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 it's like you know we're like Godzilla and we just we just go and we just go and we just tear things down and we're we're kind of just Neanderthal still about it and it's just it's just so not proper it's just not right
0: well and it also brings up a really good point as to examples of microaggressions because we've talked a lot about what the verbal ones can be right but I think microaggressions can also take different forms i think there's you know non-verbal uh micro assaults micro invalidation let's talk about that a little bit like if if we're in a meeting and sharon says something and i roll my eyes is that a microaggression
1: yes tell me why immediately yes because <laughs> it, it it are you rolling your eyes because well is it too much wind in your eyes you're inside it's that's not happening. Are you why are you rolling your eyes? Um it immediately yes, because mm-hmm. it is something you can't control, right? It is something that um if you have a question, you really can't ask. Mm-hmm. Um and if you would like to discuss it further, or you just don't, or you're just tired of hearing me talk, then that is your personal choice but that is a microaggression
3: what it about is... a yawn
0: Ted I'm, what if what if you're saying I something yawn. and I'm yawning
3: I think it depends yawning I actually okay. am, like, <laughs> more forgiving on because I tend to you know in my line of work <laughs> we tend to run very long hours and sometimes our meetings are very long so it's like you know if it's after lunch it's like 4 p.m people haven't had their coffee and you're like two hours in I can forgive yawns, but I think if you're yawning and you're clearly not focusing on the subject of the meeting, then that's where I'm a bit more what I'll call um I take more issue with it. But, All right. You
0: know, well, All right. I
3: have a really interesting what I'll call nonverbal microaggression. Okay. Yes, um, no.
0: and then clearly so, I'm coming to you.
3: Well, you know, um, I've been in a number of conference rooms before. I'm sure you guys probably have you know, experienced this before. There's not enough seats around the table. Sometimes people need to sit you know away from the table, maybe like a chair in the row behind. Um, there was one meeting I was at where all the female members or participants in the meeting were seated and not around the table, but in the seats behind. It wasn't, you know, I, I I arrived late, so I wasn't clear if that was intentional or not. But there are female, what I'll call, participants in this meeting and colleagues of all levels of seniority. I walked in and I noticed it, and that really kind of I don't know uh, the. Ha- That really put me off. (laughs) It was like, this this, this doesn't feel right. And the meeting was, again, I arrived late, but it was already started by the person who called the meeting. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. I'm like, I'm sure this wasn't completely intentional, but I can't say it was unintentional either. Like, I feel like someone should have, there was enough people in the room where someone should have maybe made an effort to kind of, you know, like Mm -hmm. address that. (laughs) Because I feel like that was a very, very bad visual Montage.
0: (laughs) What did you you do? Did you do anything?
3: Well, again, I arrived late and I was midstream. So it wasn't I was in a position to do anything. But I think, you know, what I said, though, you know, afterwards, you know, to certain, you know, to certain members of the team was, oh, next time, if you I think we should all try to sit around the table Like, just pull up a chair. We'll squeeze in. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than just letting, you know, it progress, you know, with uh, persist. I think that was just one of these very interesting situations where I wonder if anyone really realized it. But I can certainly imagine, even though I didn't ask a lot of my female colleagues about it, I'm sure it wasn't what I'll call it wasn't completely overlooked, right? It it was something that was just clearly very, I think, arresting to me, you know, just walking in that room late and then seeing that. So that's
0: a good, that's a great example. I think part of that um, probably would have been to talk to them and see how they felt about it and see what they thought about it, or maybe even a solution for next time or empower them to say something the next time to say, Hey, if this happens again, you know, make sure you go to this person or maybe just speak up and say, listen, you know, maybe we could do things a little bit differently or something like that. And I
3: think what made the situation so tricky was I feel like a lot of the male members, you know, or the participants in the meeting around the table, I don't think they even realized it yeah. happened. No, it, and usually they it don't. was completely like that's yeah. It was one of these really like almost like you like. Dilbert-esque, you know, cart like comic moments where like you're where you're just like you're in the office and you're just like, wait a second, right? And and again, I I only have to have that perspective because I was like late, right? And right. I just walked in and I saw it you know okay, but yeah. and you're just like you wonder though it's like okay like it's really it's awkward to bring up in the moment because the meeting was going on and afterwards it's almost like some people didn't even realize it happened so yeah but it's interesting to kind of see something like that you know happen in the workplace
0: yeah thank you for sharing that Clarissa yeah. what about whispering
5: is whispering a microaggression I think um for example, if we go back to the conference room where we're having a meeting Mm -hmm. and you're the person speaking and while you're speaking, there's someone whispering, especially someone who may have always been bullying you. Mm It's, (laughs) it's, it it will feel like a micro insult or that. And if you're someone who have, um, any imposter syndrome or have any, like, lack of confidence, that also can derail your thoughts or derail you. And it's something that, you know, meeting etiquette is unwritten, unless you're doing a board meeting, but there are unwritten rules. And um, th- giving someone respect by fully listening to them. And if you have an idea, um, you it. And I have this thing where I do as like, is that something that you want to share with the rest of us? <laughs> and I'm actually taking it into the classroom too, where my students are disrupting me. as like, you don't know how to whisper? Well, if, you, if you're going to whisper that loud, just share what you have to share on the topic that we're te- I'm teaching you, you know? Yeah. Um And... You know, I wanted to go back to something that you you shared with us um, in some notes, and it's about micro invalidation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember there was a trade mission, a textile trade mission, and I was asked to give a presentation on market access. And I just remembered, you know, sharing with them what happens with textile when you bring it into a country. You have to label it sample so that you know there is a a, a custom process, and. Uh, the person who was the consultant on that project, who was an importer was like, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Um, you know, I've never had that problem, but I had to remind you, you didn't go to a trade show. There's a difference. The trade show happened afterwards. The, the the my colleague came to me and said, can you imagine that they shredded someone's sample? I said, yes, I can imagine because you." I told you what the process was, you know, And that right there and there, even with that was like shutting me down, you know, I've been doing this for how many years, but you have never been, you never took people to a trade show. So you don't understand that process of what it takes to bring in a sample. What is the custom process? And that's what I'm sharing with them. And I encourage the exporters to please, there's a difference between importing a product and taking a sample to a trade show follow the rules mm-hmm. and that happened. And I was like, I, I didn't, I was like, you know, that was expected, but I didn't like pat myself on the back. But mm-hmm. I in the moment I was like, I, I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, just listen, you mm-hmm. know, and that was like in front of all these exporters trying to say what I'm say what she's saying is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you bring your stuff in. There's not going to be any problem.
4: Thank but you Texas for sharing such
5: that. a is such a contentious yeah. <laughs> international trade but it's a good um,
0: point because so- if people don't know about something right you've got to be able to give them the grace and the education and the support that they need to be able to okay. understand something and not you know put any microaggressions towards them like they should know what they're doing yeah, yeah. um I have one more question before we go into solutions, and you may or may not like this one. Sharon, I am going to direct this at you. Because a lot of people who are in charge of diversity and inclusion initiatives are underrepresented, mostly people of color. Is it a microaggression? Mm. Because some people are okay with it, and some people are like, we need more... Representation for diversity, but then there's also opportunity with it. And so I ask you because I'm just
1: curious. I'm going to take the high road because I think there's always opportunity to grow. Okay. I think that there is opportunity for us to create an inclusive ecosystem wherever we may work. Or fall or or land. That means in any industry, we're all the same, right? There mm-hmm. are There is a need to diversify the supply base. There is a need to diversify the people, um, and we all have to work towards that. Mm-hmm. The problem you run into, the the biggest impediment are um, lies in like conscious and unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. That leads to these microaggressions, right? Mm -hmm. So the education piece that a lot of corporations are putting um, to the forefront now is creating so much awareness to our allies. And I wish we had that stuff years ago. Mm -hmm. The education piece to educate people on how to even recognize their conscious or unconscious bias, because now they're, getting educated to the stuff and was like, I didn't know this was happening. Happens a little distance, day one, sweetie, it's all right. It's all right. We're gonna get to I, ignorance in a minute there, Sharon, uh, but. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, I didn't know that this 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 impacts you in certain ways. I'm like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. always has. Yeah, just because you don't see me crying doesn't mean I haven't going to my car and cried. It right? doesn't. It doesn't mean that way. Like, just because you don't see the pain or the bruise doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. know how to intentionally make you feel comfortable with your bias. Well, and
0: I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, and I know that it's a bit of a convoluted question, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's important to bring up because i think there has to be reasoning behind asking somebody to head Absolutely. up those kinds of uh really important obviously impactful roles in a company and sometimes when that reason isn't given there's a lot of questions that come up around it right yeah that could be perceived as microaggression because we're picking this person because of yeah, do you know what I'm trying to say? So that's why I want to that. bring it up so, because every like there's a there's a big conversation around this, and this is going to take up too long. So I don't want to get too much into it because I want to talk about solutions. But I just wanted to ask you because you well, know some you, people are like you're asking a person of color because you think they're the ones that have to change everything when they're not.
1: We're not. It's it's a holistic solution where we all have to be a part of that solution. Yeah. um it's a problem that's out there but so just to quickly delve into what you said so quickly quickly. is it a moment or a movement thank you If they are putting me in this role is it a moment or a movement are you going to listen are you going to listen because if you're not going to listen i'm just not here for it (laughs) i'm not here for it i'm too old for those games but If you want to create a movement and we want to create sustainable change, we want to change systems, we want to create processes, we want to do what we need to do so Mm -hmm. that the next generation doesn't have to go through this, I'm there for it. Yeah. For those corporations who don't want to do that, they're going to be left behind because they're not going to be innovative. They're not going to have um, the people who want to work for them, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to have um, systems in place that people are, are,
0: are going to follow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm glad we addressed that in this particular conversation because we haven't addressed it on this show before, but I know that it's top of mind for a lot of people. All right. Let's talk about solutions Um, because, you know, some things that came up for me during this conversation and what David said and how we were talking about whether somebody should speak up on our behalf or not. I think a lot of it, and David, you said sometimes like somebody might identify one way one week and then identify another way another week and it sort of brought me to well how would we know so if we want to be a good ally and we want to speak up in front of somebody and something is said but we don't necessarily know is that ignorance have we not spent enough time with the the people around the table to really understand who they are and understand what a microaggression could be because and and david i'll get you just one second because if i go back to episode 1 of blended um, I asked somebody from the LGBTQIA+ community on that episode. And I said, are you okay if I ask you how you identify? And his original reaction was, well, it depends on where we are and who's around us. and Like all this stuff. And I was like, and then we had a bigger conversation around it. And in the end he said, Oh, you know what? I want you to know. So yes, I want you to ask me no matter when, where, what it is. And so that's what I want this this last part of our discussion to be around is sort of the solution, but how do we know? How do we know people can we ask people how they identify so that we can listen out for microaggressions that kind of thing. Okay, I'm done. David, over to you.
4: <laughs> um I I think that's that's really a, a fascinating I mean that is just, you know, that's that's a conversation that uh That can go on forever. Um, but I think to, to, to bring it to a, a a quick resolution in in my head is, you know, I think that, uh, again, it's a, it's a discussion with the individual. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I think we're in this ever evolving workplace. You know, I think, you know, I look at my career, I've been, you know, I'm 50, going to be 55. So I've been working for, you know, 35 years and you know the the whole notion of you don't bring you know you're supposed to bring your best self your whole self or you know or what you leave at the door when you're not supposed to bring to the office or what you're not supposed to discuss and you're here to do a job and you're getting paid to do that job and so that's all you have to do and now we're kind of you know it's this ever shape-shifting what is appropriate to say to whom in the workplace or you know are your are your work colleagues really your friends I mean that's everyone's kind of up for debate but you know at the end of the day it's like you have to bring yourself and what you're comfortable bringing to the to the workplace so Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable like i am i have a picture of my husband on my on my desk and you know and it's like so if somebody has a question about if i'm married or not or who i'm married to take a look at the picture um you know and i'm happy to have that discussion but it's like i think that it's you know again it's an individual it's like you know how how do you want to show up? I mean, it's, you know, a lot of ways it's, you know, I, I, I'm, I like to wear bright colors. And so there are some days when I don't wear a bright color and people say, well, why aren't you wearing a bright color today? And I'm like, well, I just didn't feel like it. And I think that's kind of, you know, that's kind of, it's it's that same kind of thing. It's like, well, what do you want to identify as today? You know, it's like, well, I don't know, today I'm I'm kind of feeling my feminine side a little bit more. So today maybe I want to be called, I want to go by she, I want to go by they, I want to go by them. Just, mm-hmm. you know, and if that's my choice, then I need to communicate that because that is my responsibility. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I don't, nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think it, it, it is very much, we're, we're kind of like, it's a... It, you know, you almost have to, you know, the old analogy of, you know, you have to touch the burner. You know, everyone says it's hot, but you don't really know it until you touch it. And then you realize that it's hot. Well, I think that's kind of where we're at right now, where you kind of you do have to almost get burned. You have to be willing to get burned that one time. So then so then you learn. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's what we have to do on an individual basis, because mm-hmm. we have to we have to we have to probe a little bit. You have to you have to be careful you have to be cautious and then sometimes you just gotta you know you just gotta touch it and see yeah. what the response is yeah. um and I think th- and then you say okay, I got it I thank you for sharing that or thank yeah. you for letting me know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for acknowledging that that's a hot spot for you um right. and I think that that's it is a fascinating it's just a fascinating time and I think if we again going back to that whole grace and empathy, And, um, you know, that has a very important place in the, in the work environment that we've ignored for so long because we've been so busy doing our jobs, um, is that we've forgotten that underneath it all, we are, we are these people, we are all, Mm -hmm. we are all breathing the same air. We are all going through this thing called life. And we, if anything should be, our differences are our strengths. That's so cliche. But it is the honest truth. I mean, yeah. I really do believe that if we bring our best, all of our best to the table, then that's where the the, the best of life and the best of a business experience is going to happen. But you've got to create that atmosphere where everyone feels comfortable, letting yeah. you know what what do they do best. Yeah. Instead of saying this is what you're supposed to do best,
0: mm-hmm. what
4: do you do? At, what do you do best? Because that's what I want you to do. I want you to succeed. I yeah. want you to flourish. And, so.
0: you know, take responsibility where you take responsibility. But those are really simple answers, right? If you listen closely to what David just said, it was thank you. That is a hot spot for you. And I now understand that. Like there's like 10 words in that sentence, right? There's no animosity. There's no, well, wow. you know, there's just thank you for letting me know.
4: And I also have to say, it's also, it's, you know, and and this was, you know, it's kind of an interesting dynamic, but it's like um, um, I sat in on a session um, probably about a, maybe a year and a half ago, and it was all about, it was, uh, we were talking, it was a, it was an LGBT uh, public affairs group uh, that I belong to here in DC. And, you know, the discussion was, was about identifying yourself with your pronouns and, you know, the, the folks who are um, who were leading the discussion were like, you know, if even if you are just, you know, you are a he, him, just by putting it on your LinkedIn profile, it shows an awareness that you're willing to have a conversation, that you understand. That's like a little, it's a little signal to say you're aware that somebody may not identify as a he him, or someone may not identify as a she, her that there are, that you are open and you are understanding and you are appreciative of the differences and you're not afraid to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So it, I was, and people were like, oh, that's such a, I don't, you know, and when you start doing it, people are like, I don't understand why you need to do it. And it's like, exactly why you're asking the question is why we need to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, and normalizing it, right? Exactly. The, more, the more people see it, the more normal it gets exactly. for people. Um, and thank you. Thank you for sharing that, David. I think those are really, um, simple and easy things that we can all do. If somebody were to come up to us and say, Hey, you kind of triggered something for me today, you know, Kathy, what do you think? What are some of the solutions? And is it, is it ignorance? If, you know, somebody is saying something without getting to know the people in the room
2: Can we do we forgive it? You know, what does that look like? Well, uh, the question comes to what 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 comes to mind when you ask the question. And as David was talking is, I think it is a microaggression when you say to someone, where are you from? Uh, Particularly someone who is Mm. not white or someone who um, sounds like they have an accent that is not uh from wherever you are from um I think that is a microaggression that that we need to be mindful of it's a good um, point but let me ask you
0: a question what would you yeah. ask in its place? because if I'm genuinely interested yep because it then could I, lead to something that maybe we have in
2: common or whatever and you don't want to get it maybe it wrong Right, and I think that's a great question because we don't want to because we're so fearful of saying the wrong thing. Okay, I'm not even going to approach this person or continue the conversation because I'm stuck. Uh, we don't want that to happen either. Um, but I think we can ask some things like, "Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, how long have you been with the company?" Um, ask ask other questions that are likely to cause. That kind of information to arise and then look for clues. Um, if I'm in David's office, for example, where he has a picture of he and his husband, um, I may look at it and I'm not sure, right? They're not in their um wedding attire. Um, y- you know, maybe it's his brother. And so maybe I say, Oh, it's a great picture. Where was that taken? And so then that opens up a conversation. And then maybe David tells me if he wants to tell me um, about, you know, who is in the photo. So um, I think I think at this moment in time, we need to be cautious and we need to focus on the individual so that we're not putting people in a box. I mean, what does it matter, right? What does it matter where somebody is from or whether they're LGBTQ plus? What matters is the individual underneath those. Uh, what's it? Titles or groupings. Labels. Um, labels. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, and so let's change how we have conversations. So we're getting to know the individual. Mm hmm. That's such a great point. And I I only ask
0: that question because I know that it could it can be perceived. And I've I've actually listened to somebody say how exhausting it is to tell people where they're from all the time because it's what people ask because they have an accent. And I understand that. and But then, you know, I also have conversations with people who are like, I am so genuinely interested in this person that I really just want to know all sorts of different things about them and whatever they want to share, but I'm not entirely sure how to ask it so that it doesn't come across that way and they get exhausted from having to answer the same question that everybody else has asked, right? And so I think it's interesting in a way that you... Um, share of how to frame things or how to go about it a different way and that's really important too
2: yeah like where did you go to school what did you study um you know i don't know i just think there we just need to reframe how we think about and how we talk to people
0: yeah
5: yeah thank you for that claricia you're you're not in your head there's so, there so many golden nuggets that are coming out um, in this conversation. And I wanted to go back to, you know, talk about solutions. And we've been um, going to a number of DEI um, workshops. And one thing that I've learned or have taken away from these workshop is individual lived experiences. Right. For example, um, in one of our sessions, there was an exercise around um, subtle microaggressions. And there was uh, so, of course, you know, you have we have whites, we have blacks, we have Chinese, we have um, Indians, we have so many uh, 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 a nice representation of the diversity that is Canada in this workshop. And um, it was interesting because the the um, facilitator she gave a number of um, examples of these microaggressions. She spoke about, you know, you saying, "Oh, you speak well for someone from whichever country. You look great for you know? your age." And yes, and Probably um, not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and um, you you did this so well for someone who went to school in this country or went to university, and are you 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 look so good for a black person. You know these different things. And what I, when people started to respond to it it, it was recognized that some individuals believe that these were great compliments but what they didn't recognize is yes there were great compliments but the additional pieces that you added onto that took away what you thought was a great compliment but the reality is this is how these people have been speaking for their lives for the most of their lives so they don't see the problem with what they're what is being said, or the, what they consider a compliment, to be a compliment to another person, if they take away for someone who is educated in this country, you know what a difference it would make. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have some, and some of the retort that came from the 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 the, the, the cl- rest of the class um, include, you know, people who have who are married to individuals who are not of their own race who had to show indicate examples of like this is what i've watched and 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 see my other half experience in this country in Canada in in a retail space in the, you know in the workplace and you have to understand that this is their also their own lived experience so the reality is that we all come in you talk about unconscious bias we coming with our unconscious bias and conscious biases, but we also come in with what has been embedded in how we've been socialized to think and how to speak, especially when our circle is, 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 is is homogeneous, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And um, we ourselves have to look inside our own selves and be aware of how we speak to people, Mm -hmm. how we navigate through this world, with people who are different from us Mm -hmm. and you know in respecting or even our own selves how we respect others right and we're not here to one up on on the other and we're not here to tear someone down to 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 elevate and you know we're not here to um, harm others you know we're protecting we're we're, we're protecting our, our our pets we're protecting our our world, our ecosystem, environmental ecosystem, but we're human to human is a different thing. Oh, yes, it is. No? I, those, are, those are really, really great examples
0: um, because those that, that could be for absolutely everything. Like the one that I said about, you know, you look good for your age. I mean, that could be any race whatever but that takes it into ageism you know which is a whole another conversation
5: but those are amazing examples thank you for sharing the the one that hits me is like you look so good for a black person oh that
0: one i was like i'm like my mom's been telling me
5: i'm beautiful all my life i know i'm beautiful don't (laughs) mess with me you know or my mother already validated that for me you're not gonna throw me off my game <laughs> I love
0: it so I'm gonna go to Sharon Sharon I know you just made a comment in the chat um but it's kind of like <laughs> I, I want you to comment on that but it's kind of like uh please don't take offense to this but and so I think yeah. there's even yeah. microaggressions in the word but it should actually be and because whatever you say that's nice before the but actually gets completely reneged when you say the word but
1: yeah. It's just like I'm I'm teaching my kids when they say, no offense, but your your taste in music is trash. I'm like, um, that's offensive. Just yeah. and then they'll say, Well, I said no offense. That is offensive. If you matter. knew you were gonna say something that was ignorant, <laughs> saying no offense does not dismiss the fact that what you said was wrong oh my goodness so I and we can put that in the same context you know people don't I agreed so much with what she was saying it was just resonating oh you speak so well for someone from from Philly I'm like or 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 they automatically assume they're like oh you have locks in your hair where are you from West Philly no where are you from Webster Street. We don't believe no. you. Where are you from? What country? The United States? In Pennsylvania? In Philadelphia? And oh, what man. like how how granular do you want me to get? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so but but people still still do that. It still happens. It just it's 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 par from the course. I'm like, Foolish. I don't know, but if I do my DNA, I'll figure it out. Like Yeah, just ancestry. You want me to go to ancestry? Do you want me to pull up my app? I I, there is a roadmap, a DNA roadmap, but (laughs) I don't feel like I should have to explain that to you. Just just take what I give you, right? right? (laughs) How do you not believe people? Like, all right, that's the first thing.
0: I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, when we're talking about solutions, let's just believe what's being said about themselves, anyways.
3: Thank yeah, you so much. Do you about have anything else
0: to, to share around um, solutions? But I love that you're teaching your your kids that, no
1: offense, but. Yeah, they're, they're 14 and 12, so pray for me. Um, it, it's all, we all have our own experiences, right? That we have to endure or how to approach. It's, it's being open-minded. It's the open-mindedness to have these discussions mm-hmm. because, you know, as each of the speakers have said, it's about reading the room, right? Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable with sharing XYZ in this room, in this space? Are you comfortable with approaching complicated conversations? That may be crucial in this room. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people aren't. And like I said, it took me years of repressing a lot of things and feeling immense amount of pressure to not say anything to not disrupt everyone else's peace while my peace was being disrupted Mm -hmm. in order to get to this point so it's a journey it's a journey of discovery and it's a journey of all of us learning to be resilient and respectful of each other and respect that when i say i'm from philly i'm from west philly (laughs) i don't really have to give you no more than that you're sick
0: (laughs) thank you so much sharon all right ted you are you are last but not least in this particular subject let's talk a little bit about solutions and then i'm going to go to each one of you for one final thought so if you want to think about that while ted is giving us his solutions
3: that would be great you know i I think a lot of people have mentioned this word already you know in this conversation which is just you know empathy Mm -hmm. i think being very um it's not about it's not about you know taking offense to something it's not about you know just trying it, it, i think at the end of the day recognizing going into a room recognizing that you don't know everything that the other person is going through and just having a willingness to be very sincere and very open about um the questions that you have about whatever it is that you're trying to you know address. And just be willing to make a mistake and acknowledge that you're making a mistake, and then mm-hmm. to learn from it. I think just having that healthy, constructive attitude can go so far, right? I think the issue i I think in so many instances, I think with microaggressions, where I think you, you fall, people fall, you, you get into trouble, is because you have those unspoken biases, those presumptions. People get you know too shy about. I want to say call someone out because I think that sounds like you're putting people on the spot, but just having that conversation, right? Being just like, Hey, like, um, can you explain what you meant by that? You know, or just, you know, just being really sincere and wanting to do better and just making it known that you really don't have a hidden agenda and that you're willing to learn from your mistakes, because let's be honest. I mean, like I've mentioned a lot of times where I felt like I was on the receiving end, you know, of microaggression. I am sure there were instances where I probably, you know, inadvertently did something, you know, that Mm -hmm. really was, um, inconsiderate and was just not thoughtful. And I would want someone to, um, feel comfortable and, uh, in, in in approaching me about that. Mm -hmm. And I think in return, what I would say is I will try as always to do better. Right. And I think just being, and I think just broadly speaking in especially in the professional context, fostering that culture where it is possible to have, you know, openness and be, you know, and make it known that, you know, these types of, you know, conversations when they need to happen, you know, just aren't, you know, frowned upon. These are things that like, you know, you learn from, you get better, you know, from, you evolve from. I, that's, that's the most important thing. And, and, and so often I think, So much can happen, especially in this increasingly what I'll call digital world where we rely on things like this all day long, right? Like it's so easy to lose kind of just the human connection and just realize we're just people. We all make mistakes. But if we're willing to like talk and um, be honest and sincere with each other, Mm -hmm. everyone can get better, you know, and be better from that. I think I know that sounds, again, a bit cliche, but I genuinely believe it.
0: I love that. No, listen, everybody has a perspective and we want you all to share it. And, you know, I think it's important that, like you said, that we all take responsibility for the things that we can take responsibility for, that we can give some grace and some empathy. Um, All right. So we are at the end of our discussion. Honestly, that flew by. Um, So I just want one takeaway. So what would you like the audience listening to this particular conversation, walking away with, thinking about, putting into action, asking more questions
5: around? So Clarissa, I'm going to start with you. I would say one of the things that I did is actually I read a book, How to Have Difficult Conversations, because sometimes, you know people are going through things or people have been programmed to behave a certain way. So I would say, you know, having that um, courage to ask the difficult questions as to, you know, why all of a sudden, why are you doing this? You know, is there something that I'm doing wrong that needs to be improved upon? When you did this, it made me feel like I I don't have knowledge of my subject matter. You know, having those conversations that will help you know, going back to what Sharon said, build a relationship going forward that is not one of um, microaggressions or animosity, but let's squash whatever this is and move forward. Right. Thank you so much. That's such a great one to to leave with.
2: Kathy, you're up next. I have a message for managers, HR leaders, and just leaders in general, and that is let's stop focusing on the person's intention when they made a microaggression. Let's not ask, well, what did they intend? Because they're a good guy or they're a nice person. Um, but instead, let's focus on what is the harm that was caused? I mean, the person who is res- on the receiving end of the microaggression has enough to deal with. Let's not also make them responsible to prove the intention of the person who made the statement. That should be off the table. That is such
0: a great point. And we had, I think Sharon was given two thumbs up on that one. So thank you so much, Kathy. Ted, what's your one thing you want everybody to walk away with?
3: Um, I'm going to quote another Ted, you know, which uh, I'm a big fan of, which is, you know, uh, Ted Lasso. You know, I don't know if any of you, you know, watch the show, but I love the phrase, you know, which he's quoted for, which is be curious, not judgmental. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Which is we're different right everyone's coming at this from a different what i'll call angle perspective life path so be curious just you know Uh, have that you know healthy you know attitude and not judge you know what i'm saying and i think that is so i think that's huge and Mm -hmm. if you
0: haven't watched ted lasso go ahead and watch all three seasons
4: because it's amazing
0: all right david what's your one takeaway
4: uh, I was, uh, sitting here. First of all, amazing conversation. Thank you all so very much. Um, I'm, I've learned so much and I appreciate, um, being a part of this. Um, but I, I, uh, was reminded that, uh, when I was growing up, um, um, a family member, my godmother, uh, always said to me, she said, everyone has a story that they want to tell. You just have to give them the space to tell it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we all need to do is I think that, you know, it goes back to the old adage of we have two ears and one mouth. um, So listen Uh, and, and don't, and don't. uh, And again, as, as as Ted just said, you know, be curious, but, but let somebody, it's somebody else's story. It's not your story. It's not for you to fill in the blanks. It's for the other person to tell you about them and their experiences. Uh, Love And I think that's, that's my takeaway is that it's it's really, it's all about the listening um, yeah. uh, than it is the talking.
0: Yeah. I'm going to add to that. Listen to uh, learn, not listen to respond, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, David. Sharon, last but absolutely not least, what's your one takeaway for everybody listening?
1: The one takeaway from this dynamic conversation, <laughs> a lot of insight. Love it. Um. For people to have the courage to go and actually meet someone outside of your regular circle that's Mm -hmm. not like you, that doesn't have the same um, lifestyle as you, and you appreciate their uniqueness, what they have to offer, you immediately begin to find things that you have common ground on that you didn't think you did would have common ground on and become a better version of you because that better version of you has learned something new met someone else out of, out of your circle out of your space and has a you can share perspectives And so now you have someone new if you have a question on something that may seem out of sorts, you can rely on, or you can talk to and you create allies. I, I love the fact that Kathy talked about being an ally and being able to speak up for other people and how David is just living his truth. Of, like I am who I am, I realize my privilege and I love that authenticity that comes across, right? And the fact that I now, because I met Sarah, got to meet all these dynamic figures right got to learn more things about them there what they do how they think and that shapes me to be a better future me
0: amazing so amazing so many great takeaways and you know, thank you so much to Kathy, Clarissa, Sharon, uh, David, and Ted for joining me today. You know, microaggressions can be conscious and intentional or unconscious and unintentional. But regardless of that intent, these words or actions are often rooted in bias and based on stereotypes. And as we've discussed previously on the show, these types of biases are deeply rooted, passed down through generations and reinforced by cultural representations. It's not an easy or quick job to unpick these kinds of issues. But what we can all do is make the effort to learn, to educate ourselves, to listen to podcasts like this one, hear people's stories, ask people questions, question and really listen to the answers and then use all of that to support each other and lift each other up. Remember, you can reach out to me or any of the guests on social media if you have anything you'd like to add to what we've talked about today. And remember to join us again next time for episode 39 of Blended, where we'll be talking all about cancel culture. That's right. We've set our sights on the infamous trend. What is cancel culture? Where did it come from? And why is it rising in power so rapidly? Is it something we actually need to be afraid of? Or is it all media hype designed to create disharmony and separation between cultures and generations? We're going to tackle all of this and more next month and I just hope we don't get canceled. I'll see you all then. Thank you so much to everybody today for joining me.